0: Verses 7 to 16 really are a whole unit that I would call Christ the Great Gift Giver. So one title for this sermon could be Christ the Great Gift Giver Part 1. But if we're looking at the verse 7 in itself, it would be the basis for diversity in the church. I'll let Denise decide what she wants to call it on the MP3. The metaphor of the body that we talked about a couple of weeks ago implied that there is in the people of God two realities. In one sense, in one hand, they are one whole. And in another sense, on the other hand, they are many individual parts. Verses four to six emphasized the oneness, the wholeness. It. it Paul, in verses 4 to 6, reminded us, what is it about Christians that make us the same? In what sense are we exactly the same? What do I have that you have, that your neighbor has, that every child of God has? And that was the list of seven ones. Those are, those are the things upon which we are united Here in verse 7, we see the other emphasis that the body metaphor tells us in that while we are one whole, we are at the same time individuals. And being individuals, we have been crafted by God and gifted differently. And here we see in verse Verse 7, we see the basis of, of this diversity. We see the beauty. We see the wisdom. We see the good intent in the diversity of these gifts given among the members of Christ's body. In his wisdom and his kind provision and, and his skill in crafting the body just as he desires it to function. we see that, We see that Christ has not only saved us. And promises us eternal life in heaven and heaven and and himself, these these being sources of joy and pleasure and glory that we are going to happily, happily experience for generations upon generations in eternity. We aren't saved just for the for the long scope, but we also see that we are saved so that he might give gifts to us. Gifts that are used. And benefited from now in your immediate context. Every Christian, every born again, redeemed, saved individual, every member of the body has been given something, some gift, some skill, some talent, some ability or capacity. Some opportunity to contribute to the welfare and the building up of his body. Every single one of you. Everyone. Now, I want to go through verse 7 by responding to a series of questions. Each question will be a point in our outline. One. Who got the gifts? And I, I've, already, I've already answered this. Who got the gifts? Second. What are the gifts? And third, again, I've already, actually, I think I've answered all three already in the intro. Who gave the gifts? Who got the gifts? What are the gifts? And who gave the gifts? Let's read verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, first, who got the gifts? What's the answer? What? Partial. That's partially true. The leaders and. What? Oh, I thought you said the leaders. Yeah, right. Believers. Every single one of you. Every single one of you in Christ, has received a gift. Every single member in the body has been given something with which to function in the body and you know it it was thought for a long time i'm not really sure what the medical consensus is right now but it was thought for a long time that the appendix was rather useless that that it didn't really do anything and with that idea of the appendix being useless i would say that there are no christian appendixes In the body of Christ. There there is not a single one of you. Who could be removed. Who could be isolated. Or kept away from the body. Without having some kind of negative impact. Some kind of loss. Some kind of deficit. That the body would then experience. Due to your absence. There There are no in that sense, appendixes in the body of Christ. Every single one of you has been given something by which the church either benefits from its use or suffers from its misuse or lack of use. Every single one. Paul says, but to each one of us. now the the but shows us that Paul has set up a contrast because in the verses preceding verse 7 in verses 4 to 6 he he has he has discussed he has highlighted the 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 components that we share that every single believer share he's highlighted the the sameness the oneness the unity that we have and then he says but and then he in verse 7 he now Shows the diversity, the distinction of the individuals. You have on one hand the the same, the wholeness, the oneness, and in the other the diversity and the distinction of the individual parts. All members share the same body, the same have the same spirit, the same hope, the same Lord, the same safe, uh, saving faith, the same. Baptism into the body and the same father uh, among those things, there is not a single believer that is different in that regard. every single if you 're a Christian, you have those seven realities, no ifs ands or buts, no questions period paragraph case closed those are true of you. however, there is a different way in which you are different sometimes and often vastly different significantly different from others we see in verse 7 that there is a diversity in each one of us that that each one of us at the beginning of verse 7 should leap off the page at you because you are in that group each individual member in the whole body has been graced, gifted, given something. Now we we recognize, and, and, and being given, gr- being graced, being given something, we've been graced differently. We've been given gifts in different capacities, and we recognize that when we recall who is who is included in the us, not just you and me, but this includes. The Apostle Paul, and he, we, we 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 recall that he was gifted and graced in a in a completely unique manner, very different from all of us, very different from virtually all of Christendom. Since he penned this, Paul was gifted with apostleship. He was graced such that through his work, through his service and contribution. Church was birthed and founded and came to thrive among the Gentiles. He had a very unique and foundational role in the birth and life of the church. In all likelihood, you being a Gentile have Paul to thank for the gospel coming to you. Paul wrote, Approximately half the books of the New Testament. I'm not quite sure on what the percentage is. And yet Paul recognized that he was not a one-man show. It wasn't about him. He merely had a part to play. A contribution to make, a service to render to the body. And there was a, there was a specific role he was raised up for, and it was his responsibility to step up to the plate and to fill that role. And at the same time, at the same time, in different measure, in different capacities, all other members of the body have likewise been given a role to play, a service to render. And it's their responsibility. It's our responsibility to not try to fill someone else's shoes, but to fill, especially not the Apostle Paul, and yet we have many people running around believing that, they're, that they are apostles today. Beloved, it is our responsibility to fill the shoes that God has prepared for us and given to us to fill. And so let Paul fill Paul's shoes. You fill yours, I'll fill mine, and so on down the line. And quite frankly... There are enough problems that arise in the church when we neglect filling our own appointed shoes and go around trying to fill shoes not appointed to us. There is diversity in the body, and it's a beautiful thing because each member has been gifted something for the benefit of the whole. And this is a reoccurring theme in the New Testament. This isn't something that Paul just talks about once and then moves on to something else. This is reoccurring. Romans twelve three and 4. Paul says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Funny how humility and the members of the body are, are, are uh, linked themes. But to think so as to have sound judgment, here it is, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. But just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. Verse 5. So we who are many, and and here we see that dichotomy of the body metaphor one whole, yet many parts. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and yet, and individually, members of one another. You You see oneness, you see different distinctness, distinctiveness in the same, in the same sentence, Romans twelve five, verse six, here, here, Paul previews a sampling of the gifts to illustrate what he's just said. And we're not going to dig into it just yet, but I'll just read verse six. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Each of us, which means that there's no one in the room le- that's left out. I remember, a, a, an SL, well, I think it was an SNL skit. There was a, a skit somewhere where a, a, a guy, um, there was a cake being served at a party, and, and one guy in the middle of the line, somehow he was the only one who didn't get the piece of cake. There's no one like that in the body of Christ. Everyone gets a slice. Everyone gets a gift. 1 Corinthians 12:7. But to each one, each one, you, you, you could provide, you could put little parentheses and provide, and every to each and every one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. 1 Peter 4:10. As each one has received a gift, and he'll say at the end of the verse, being stewards of the manifold grace of God manifold that is a word that means varied it can be it it could be used to describe Joseph's many colored cloak it's a word that describes um, uh, the exact opposite of simple plain ordinary It, it, it has the idea of of complexity of structured complexity of something that is advanced Intricate. Detailed. An ice cube is a simple structure. A snowflake is a intricately detailed structure. According to the uh, being stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one has received a gift says Peter. Each and every one so a question for you church which you should be able to answer if you've been paying attention and in honor of our of teachers who are in the room raise your hand if you have received a gift okay good you're paying attention gold star for everyone each one each and every Christian that the Holy Spirit has put into the body of Christ, he has given something to you. So that's first first question checked off. Who received the gifts? We all have. What are the gifts? Paul goes on to say to each one of us, grace was given. Grace was given. And we have a tendency to... to to limit grace, to, to think of grace only as saving grace. But God's grace is not limited to what he did in salvation and saving us. For example, Philippians one twenty nine says this, For to you it has been granted, and this is a verbal form of the word grace. And so you could say it has been graced to you. It has been given as a gift to you for Christ's sake. Not only to believe in him, and that's something we would typically associate with salvation, especially if you're Reformed. But also, and here, here's a part of the Bible that's not, I, I don't know if it's ever been on anyone's uh, fridge or those precious moments posters. It has been graced to you. It has been given to you not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now you go through the book of 1st Peter and you'll see that it is not I mean our flesh, our natural impulse like like Job, like Job's friends are to think that if we're suffering it's because something's wrong. It's our natural conclusion to think if I if I'm suffering, if life is miserable, if I'm unhappy, if 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 Things are happening to me that I wish wouldn't happen. It's because I've done something wrong. It's because I've erred, and this is punishment. That's not. That's simply not true, necessarily. For some, it might be God's will for you to suffer, even when you have done everything right. In that sense, it is. it is a gift. It is a grace to suffer for his sake. That's why you see the apostles in Acts chapter, I think, 4 or 5. They go out rejoicing after they've been beaten because they've been considered worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. That's why Paul and Silas could sing psalms and mel- and praiseful, thankful melodies in a Philippian jail after they've been thoroughly beaten with rods. God's grace goes beyond what we typically understand and associate with salvation. 4.7 says, To each of us grace was given. What this means is that we have been fitted, we have been equipped, we have been empowered and endowed with the ability, the power, the means, the opportunity, and the desire to serve the body in some way. In some capacity, in some manner, you it, it has been given to you and it, it, you have been fitted, you have been made able and empowered to do something that is a benevolent service, that is a good thing, that is a loving contribution to the body. In the same way that God has designed all of your organs, with possibly the appendix, appendix as an exception, like I said, I don't know. But God has designed every single organ in your body to do something for you. That is common, logical sense. All the passages I I just took you to a couple minutes ago say, that this is why God has gifted each and every one of us in a diverse way. And that's why after, after emphasizing the fact that we're different, after emphasizing the fact that we have been gifted differently, that there is a diversity in the body in the way that God has equipped and called and gifted us, every passage includes mostly right after the mention of the diversity of gifts, Every passage includes some kind of a therefore type of application. Every single one. There's a there's a there's an application to the fact that God has graced us differently. The one where you you have to keep reading in the passage before you find is in First Corinthians 12. I think we read verse six was it. Verse seven. Yeah, we, we read 1 Corinthians twelve seven. If you are faithful and persevering and you make it all the way down to verse 24 and 25, it says this, but God has so composed the body, verse 25, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members, here it is, may have the same care for one another. Practical, therefore, application in light of the fact that God has placed different members into the same body. 1 Peter 4.10, let me read it in its entirety, and you can see it. As each one has received a gift, here's the therefore, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And here's an example, which is what helpful teachers do. They illustrate what it is they're telling us to do. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. If God has put you in a place where you speak for him, then speak as if you're speaking for him. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength with, with, with which God supplies Romans twelve six, which came at which comes immediately after the verses that we I read earlier, since we and since is the same word for therefore, so it, it's a therefore application. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, here it is, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy. According to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving or he who teaches in his teaching or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberal liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I grant to you that a sports team wouldn't work very efficiently uh, a football team wouldn't work very well if every single player was a quarterback it is a good thing that linemen are appointed so that they can do linemen things on the field and it's a good thing that wide receivers are on the field so that they can receive widely and i'll i'll i'll, I'll stop i'll stop it is a good thing I mean, how would a car work if every component under the hood was an alternator? If every component was an engine? No, you need every individual part doing what it was designed to do for the whole to function. I have a computer that has recently been taken out of commission because as one of as one of your own has kindly told me the power supply is busted all it takes often in often cases is for one part of the whole to not do what it's supposed to do and the whole thing suffers it's a travesty when those who are entrusted and given grace don't do what they are designed to do. I mean, ha, has anyone played sports and you had a guy on the team and he just doesn't do what, he's, what the coach tells him to do? Or a component in the car or a component in the computer. It keeps going out. It keeps needing to get replaced because it just doesn't do its job. It's a travesty when that happens. And in the same way, it is a travesty when those who have been given a gift and have been entrusted with something and have been put in the body to use that gift and to use that thing to serve and to benefit the whole. It is a travesty when the individual member does not do as it is appointed to do. And so I ask you, what has been given to you for the benefit of the body? What has been given to you Are you using it on yourself? Are you using it at all? The scholar and pastor and teacher is not to lock himself away in his study and just read for self-enjoyment and self-fulfillment. Those of you uh, who know church history know that John Calvin was guilty of this sin. He wanted to just be an ivory tower scholar lock himself away in a study and read and read and write and read that's all he wanted to do and god said no and the circumstances uh, through which he became a pastor are actually quite quite uh, humorous the pastor the scholar The teacher is not to be that ivory tower theologian. He is to come out from his study. While he's in his study, he needs to do his job. But he is to come out of his study. He is to be accessible among his congregation. And he is to teach. He who has been given the capacity to earn considerable amounts of money. And to maintain a a thriving career. He has, according to Romans 12, uh, 6 or 7. He has been given the gift of giving. There are some people who, just because of the circumstances that God placed them in and raised them up in, there are some people who have more money than other people. That's just the way life is. You see that in the Bible. You see that today. And he he who has the gift of giving, he's not necessarily required. uh, I would say he's not required at all to give it all away. He's not inquired or obligated to live a life of poverty. 2 Corinthians 9.7, which is a passage upon which we we base our our principle and our theology of giving, tells us this. 2 Corinthians 9.7, each one must do, and Paul's talking about giving, each one must do as he has purposed in his heart. Whatever you want to give, that's what you give. Whatever you have decided in your heart to give, that's what you give. Each one is to give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, which means don't give because someone is telling you you need to give. Don't give because someone is forcing you or coercing you or pressuring you to give. Give what you purpose to give. And here's why Paul tells us. Because God loves the obligated giver. No. No. Be- right? Bethany is the only one that was like, that doesn't sound right. No. For God loves a cheerful. cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves one who gives freely, cheerfully, gladly, lovingly. God is delighted in the one who wants to give and who likewise delights in seeing needs met. God delights in the man or the woman who, who themselves delights in seeing, what, what will God do with the resources that I give back to him? The wealthy man has the opportunity in his wealth to see how he can be generous, according to Romans 12.8. I'm sorry, I, I think I said it was seven or six earlier. It's Romans 12:8. He he, his opportunity is to see how he can be generous with his giving and to give with, as Paul says, with liberality, which means freely or generously. And in the same sense w- with whatever, I mean w- the wealthy man has that put into his hand, that's his gift. We are all called to take the gift that God has put into our hands and to see, how can I use this? The individual, as the individual blessed with an abundance has a unique and expanded ability to meet the needs of others in an expanded measure. Other gifts are likewise given to us so that we can meet those needs as God strategically places us in in the path to identify them and meet them. Some are gifted with extra time on their hands. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you have a job where, where you don't have to drive to work, but you can work from home. Maybe you have a job with very minimal time requirements or a job that, that is largely stress free and when you and when you're done and you clock out you can you can just readily go on to the to something else. You have strategic opportunities that others don't have. Or perhaps even you didn't have 20 years ago when you were still working a career and have and raising kids. Some are gifted in mercy. Mercy some have an exceptional skill in providing for practical needs and doing dirty jobs that other people just can't bring themselves to do some of you are have an inner micro some some excel at some like these excel at bearing personal burdens of others some excel as prayer warriors some people find it really hard and difficult to pray. Some find for some it is just a nat- it's like it's like breathing. It's like riding a bicycle. Some excel at administration. Some excel at at thinking structurally in in structured categories and and having very organized lives and having everything precisely where it needs to be. Those of you who know me know that's not me. Some excel at music. Some excel at spotting things that nobody else sees. Some, of, some are visionaries. One may be dependable with big, weighty tasks that other people would really prefer not to bear. Others can be completely trustworthy with the little things. And believe me, the little things add up, and dealing with little things are important. Mark 9:41 Jesus said even even one who gives one of his disciples a cup of water that's a little thing even even he who gives even he who serves in the most menial way possible will be rewarded I would suggest to you that God has gifted us in ways some of us in ways that the world looks at goes that's a gift but looking at when we consider that that Christ has gifted us so, yeah, it's a gift. Some excel in this, some excel in that. Whether the gift is visibly recognized or not, whether it's used in public, whether it's used in private, where only your Heavenly Father who sees in secret knows. Every role, every service, every gift is important because they are all... Every single one given by God for the good and for the building up of his church. So, Christian, I would call you to see and to recognize that God has designed you and given you something so that you would employ it for the common good of his body. You are not meant. No Christian is meant to be an isolated Christian who avoids relationships in the body of Christ because they're inconvenient, they're, they're uncomfortable, or whatever else. That, that is not the purpose for which Christ has saved us. That's not the reason Christ has entrusted you with whatever gift that he has placed into your hand. Now, let me say this as plainly and indirectly as I can with the hope that that you see that this isn't coming from a heart of bitterness. I, I, I don't want you to think, wow, pastor really has an ax to grind today. This is not coming from a heart of, of bitterness or weariness because because I've done this and I've done that and somebody really needs to pick up the slack. I'm, it's not that way and I hope you trust me and receive it as such. This pertains to the way that God has purposed to build the church and and the fact that he is building up the body precisely as he desires. And the way he is building up the body involves you and me utilizing whatever grace we've been given to do just that. What I have to say is rooted in that truth. You cannot, and, and this may offend somebody. And my intent is not to offend. My intent is to deliver what the word says and what what Christ, the way, deliver to you what Christ would have me say in light of this verse. You cannot be a Christian and say, I don't need others in the body. You cannot be a Christian and say, I am an independent person and I will maintain my independence And I will continue to be isolated from the body of Christ. My time is my own. My resources are my own. My energy and means to do whatever I want are my own. And I'm not obligated. I can't be and I won't be forced to do anything I don't want to. You cannot be a Christian and continue to think and live that way. You cannot be a Christian and allow that to be the long-standing pattern in your life, maybe for a season, for whatever reason, that has been the way you think or the way you live. You can't continue to live that way. The, the independent Christian is one of two things. He is either massively inconsistent And frankly, disobedient. He's either inconsistent and disobedient or he's not a Christian at all. And it's my prayer that there's that there's introspection, that there's a lot of looking in and and checking the hearts that will come about as a. And there's no, and there's no one. I'm, as I look across the room, I don't have someone in my mind. You know, th- this sermon wasn't written for you or for you. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that's His prerogative. By now, I, where we are in Ephesians, I hope you can see that the the modern, typical understanding of Christian salvation has been grossly underdeveloped in evangelicalism. Largely, being a Christian means your sins are forgiven, you get to go to heaven, and that's it. What Paul has shown us, at least lately... Is that being a Christian means you have been brought into and you have been grafted and transplanted and placed into something that is bigger than you. It's bigger than any one of us. You have been inserted into the body. You've been, as as uh, verse f- uh, five said, you've been baptized. You've been you've been dunked in. You've been inserted. You've been placed into, the body with other members and it's alongside those other members where you now belong because that's where the divine surgeon placed you. You know, when organs are put into the body, they're not just put anywhere. Oh, we'll, we'll put the spleen over there. There's there's room. No. You have been put where you've put with with purpose, with design, with intent. Every member and, and, and every one of you has been put where you are for the thriving of the body, and the body is not there for your thriving as an individual. Oh, I would say the American church has largely flipped that on its head and turned it turned it around. Pastor Don Green says this: the local church is a life priority. Christians, And I heartily agree with him. The local church is a life priority for Christians. The local church is a life priority for you. It's not an understatement to say that you were saved to be here and I was saved to be here so that we might be in the midst of one another and abide with each other. Yes, we were, we were saved to inherit eternity. Yes, we were saved to receive uh, forgiveness of sins and eternal life and to enjoy God forever in heaven. Yes, we were saved for all that, but we were saved for this too. So let's recap. Who has the gifts? You can just, don't raise your hand, just tell me. How many believers? All of them. What are the gifts? It's whatever grace, whatever ability, whatever talent, skill, means, resource, opportunity you have to serve, to build up, to benefit others, to encourage others. To whatever you have been given to supply the needs of those around you. That's what the gifts are. And that leads to a, before we get to the third question, there, there, there's kind of a, there's a logical question, I think, that that may perhaps has risen in some of your minds, and I just want to try to address that. How do I, and the question is this, how do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? How do I identify my gift? Is anyone thinking that? Really? No? Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I anticipated that, so I have an answer for it, and I'm going to give it to you. How do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? And there have been books and surveys and questionnaires and all sorts of things that you can purchase or find on the Internet. And you can fill out these questions and it will tell you you're supposed to do this or you're supposed to do that. You're a this, you're a that, you're a whatever. You're an INFJ, you're a LBCD or whatever. And I have found largely that those things, while they are entertaining, they are largely unhelpful. Alina recently filled out a questionnaire that she got from somewhere, and it was it was uh, which Harry Potter house are you to, supposed to be a part of? <laughs> and you want to know what 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 her responses, what her answer was, or her results? What? Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff and Gryffindor, and Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. <laughs> she she could be in any one of the four. So what good did that? Did did that really help her out at all? Really? I mean, wasn't the purpose of the sorting hat to say you belong here and nowhere else? I would say this. The only way... That you can really know what your contribution is to the body of Christ. And I, and I got this from someone, and I can't remember who it is, so it, it's, it's uh, uh, anonymous said this. But I agree with it. The only way that you can really know what your contribution is to the body of Christ is to be involved in the body of Christ. It's not through taking a questionnaire or a survey or a form or reading a book. I mean, that may help you, but it's not guaranteed to be accurate. The only way you can really know, the only way you can accurately know what your contribution is to the body of Christ is to be involved in the body of Christ. And he will make your giftedness known over time, in part through your desires, in part through your abilities, and in part through the opportunities that are present and the needs that are available and the needs that need to be fulfilled in the body of Christ. In other words... Spend time with others and discover where they are in their walk of life. And do church, really do church, get plugged in, fellowship, worship alongside each other. Let iron sharpen iron. And as needs and opportunities are made known to you, you will discover that somewhere between your desires And what you want to do, and what you can practically do, and what you have the time and opportunity to do, somewhere between all that, you will find your gift. You will find the gift specifically tailored for you, specifically given to you to use. Let me remind you what Paul said in Ephesians 2.10 that we have good works that have been prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. You have good works that are that have been prepared for you and you have been prepa- prepared for the good works. There's a lot of preparation that has been gone that that has gone into you being a part of the body of Christ. Now, and I think I've answered this probably 5 times by now, who gave the gifts? And the, the typical Sunday school answer is Jesus. Jesus. And you are right. Paul ends verse 7. To each of us has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, this doesn't come as a surprise because I think I've already answered this a half a dozen times. And so I don't need to spend a whole lot of time here. Especially since we will see several times from, from now until the end of verse 16 that Christ, and this is, this is the consistent theme. Christ is a consistent and faithful and capable giver of, that for the, of the things which he uses for the growth and the preservation and the stability and the building up of his church. When, when he started his church, he didn't just wind things up and give stuff to you and say, good luck, and watch, us, watch the church go on its merry way. He continues to be. He, 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 he was active and invested in the beginning of the church. He is currently active and invested in the, in the building up and the safeguarding of his church, and he's going to continue to be active and invested until he personally and actively comes back to retrieve his church. Christ is a faithful and consistent provider and shepherd and caregiver and savior and protectorate of his church. You will see that several times by the time we get to verse 16. You, you will see the fingerprints of Christ all over his church and specifically in, in, in verse 7. I want you to see that his fingerprints are on each one of you. I want you to see that. And I want you to believe it. Because it's true. Christ has given us these gifts. Covered not just in Ephesians 4, 7. And covered in Romans 12. uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Peter 4. He's graced all. One to teach, he has graced another to serve, another to do this, another to do that, because it pleases him for that to be the way that his church grows. It it pleases him that this is how it is. So we aren't to be worldly and and, and say, well, the pastor is the guy running the show. He's the most important guy or I give the most money, or I give the most time, or I make the biggest sacrifices to the church, so I'm the most important. No, everybody from the pastor, each, each pastor, to the deacon, to the, to the greeter, to the bookkeeper, to the treasurer, to whoever empties the trash, to whoever helps with the parking lot, to whoever spends time, to to Kathy Kearney watching over your children in the nursery right now, to whoever plays with the kids out on the playground, to John teaching Sunday school, to Daniel leading music. Every single one of you has a role to play, and it is an important role. It may not feel like it at times, especially if people don't see what you do. But I I remind you what Christ said about the Father in heaven who sees what is done in secret. He sees what, what is done. He sees what is done. Let me conclude with the purpose statement of all of this in verses 15 to 16. everyone has in their hand what has been given to them by by the head of the body so that verses 15 and 16 might be true of of this church uh, i mean of every church but i'm speaking to you so you have what you have so that this might be true of us that we might grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Christ from whom from Christ The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, so that that's what we do, but this is what our head does, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Quite frankly, I don't care if we grow to the size of 150, 200 people, I don't I mean, it would be nice, it would be swell if we grew so big that we needed to plant a church. That would be nice. There are a lot of programs that would be wonderful to to, to get up and running. My vision for the church is that we would grow up in Christ, that every single member supplies what it's been given to do, that every single individual part works accordingly to what it's been gifted so that as we do those things, we grow up together, and are built up in love. I think I deposit to you that is a good vision for a church. Let's pray. Father, help us to remember the attitude of your precious Son, of your lovely Son, who didn't look at the incarnation. And say, what 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 does this have in it for me? What do I get out of this? We remember that He came because He was so lowly of heart, and He was so considerate of others' needs more than His own. Mark ten forty five tells us that while He deserved the right to come to be served, that's not why He came. The Son of Man came not to be served but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. That is the spirit by which we have been saved. And it's the Spirit that, that now flows through each and every one of us that you have called unto yourself and placed into the corporate body of Christ. Lord help us to de Father, help us to, to, to deal honestly with ourselves and I pray that your spirit would counsel and prompt anybody who needs to think seriously about this and respond accordingly. Help us to repent of a low view of the church. Help us to repent of a low view of the work of the Spirit in the body of Christ. And let us not see, let nobody see their opportunities to use their gifts as a as an irksome burden, as something we re- we'd rather wish we didn't have to do. Help us to see these things as privileges, being that they are tailored specifically to each and every one of us. And so in the, In the name of Christ Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, let every joint supply what you've intended it to do. Let every individual part properly work as you've intended it to do. Let every gift be used according to your kind intention and wise master plan. Amen.